Hi there, welcome to Series 2 of the Release the Sound podcast where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Roma Waterman and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Release the Sound podcast. It's so awesome to have you and I am like ridiculously excited for the guests that we're going to have today. Somebody who I uh, love leading their songs, I love their their writing, I love their passion and their heart for the kingdom and I've learned so much from this person as a worship leader myself and a songwriter and that is none other than the amazing Dustin Smith. So yeah. if you have <laughs> if you have not heard of Dustin Smith, have you been hiding under a rock? Maybe you oh. have. But let me just tell you who he is. He is a worship leader, a songwriter, fourth generation pastor, and he is the founder of Here Be Lions, a ministry collective that focuses on discipleship, music, and community through these three outreaches. Be Fierce, which is a discipleship resource for families. All about worship, a worship resource for churches, and healing is right. I just love this, a resource for the sick and the hurting. And um, Dustin has crossed many denominational, cultural, and generational boundaries to share the gospel through preaching, teaching, and music. An amazing songwriter. You most likely know many of his songs. One of my favorites, Dustin, is I Speak Jesus. I'm singing that around the house all the time. And uh, he is also the pastor of Hope You See Nashville with his wife, Jana. Is that how you say it? Or is it Jana? Gina. Gina. There you go. See, I'm Italian. I just go straight to the Italian way that you would say <laughs> <Love> that. <it. laughs> yeah. Gina and their three children. But, um, Dustin, it is such an awesome privilege to have you with us today. Thank you for saying yes and cannot wait for today to start. So thanks for being here. Oh, this is an honor. I mean, listening to all that stuff is like... Man, most people only hear that stuff when they're dead. So this is <laughs> just like <laughs> maybe that's it. what I should call this podcast: the the dead yeah. worship leaders. No, 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 we're not. Yeah. Good. Oh man. Oh man. Well, we are no, dead. We're, we're dying, alive. aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I heard an amazing. This is a total side note, but you just made me think of something I heard today in a podcast that I was listening to, and uh, it was by Emma Stark from Scotland, and she said. We keep talking about the fresh fire, but what we don't realize is to have fresh fire, we need fresh sacrifice. Whoa. I just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. But anyway, back to the topic today. Um, What I would love to know before we get started, you are doing amazing things as Hope You See Nashville the Lord's moving, you know, I've been watching some of your teachings, watching some of the worships. It looks like an incredible community, a beautiful community. And I'd just love to know, like, how's the worship team tracking along at Hope You See? Oh, What's man. happening? Oh, it's been crazy. You know, even, you know, we moved here almost seven years ago in December and mm-hmm. we really were, you know, I was happy in Kansas City. I have a great church out there. We experienced revival and just so many years of just good yeah. stuff and what God was doing. But I felt the Lord start speaking to me that I have too many kids with guitars and not enough shepherds. Wow. And I felt the Lord say, would you get off a of stage and raise some up? And so went to our pastor and, you know, had conversations with him about it. And what does that look like in Kansas City and all that? And he said, well, let's pray about it. And we got some of the other staff and my friends praying about it. And after about two months, we got back together and he said, I feel like you're supposed to go to Kansas city or I mean to Nashville. And my wife and I have felt that too and didn't really want to say it, but that was just a good confirmation for us. And so seven years ago, we just, we moved out here and not really, you know, I felt the Lord when he was talking about the kids with guitars, not enough shepherds. I didn't feel like it was a correction as much as they needed permission. You know, I feel like a lot of them, it's kind of a harsh word, but I feel like they kind of been prostituted and they were just doing what they were hired to do. And most of the people just wanted them to sing songs, you know? And, and so as soon as they were done with them, they let them go. And, and I felt like God was trying to raise up some shepherds. And so we, we had been coming to Nashville to write for quite a while. I was with Integrity Music. So we moved here and, and traveled and our team moved with us. There's like 
seven different families that all sold everything and moved. And so we started having worship nights and I would feed everybody. We'd sit down for a meal first, about an hour. And we'd end up having 75, hundred people just show up just to eat. And wow. worship. So we had been doing that for a couple of years when I met Mark and Darlene. Yes. And, Darlene um, Chick, and Mark and Darlene oh, Chick. Yeah. Amazing. And they just rocked my world. And I spoke at their conference and the second time I spoke at their conference, they messaged not too long after that and asked, you know, what we felt about starting to hope you see Nashville. And mm-hmm. the truth of it is like, you know, I've, like you said earlier, I've been a, I was a pastor's kid, grandpa, great grandpa was a pastor. And I don't know that I didn't want a pastor, but I would probably have said I didn't mainly because of just my parents were, I felt like they really um, were hurt by the church, you know, and, we felt that as kids. And so when they first asked me, I was like, I'm pretty happy doing worship nights and I'm pretty happy at the community we have. And I said, and I still feel like I'm supposed to travel some. And Darlene said, well, that's great. She said, just do it on a Sunday and you travel and I'll make sure you never build it on yourself. And I was like, well, yeah. Okay. So we started meeting us, OBC Nashville, and it has just been one of the funnest journeys. And, you know, we, it's different where we meet in a barn, you know, and we bought a 200 year old property. It's got a, it was a side of the civil war and blood yeah. was shed out there, blood for division, you know? And we felt like God said, you know, you're going to redeem land and, and unify on it. And so we bought it a couple of years ago and meeting in a barn. We do worship in the round, which has been a blast. Beautiful. And, I can't um, imagine the sound logistics for that because I've led worship in the round before and it's been a bit kind of annoying yeah. well, <laughs> sound-wise. The, cool, the cool thing is when we got into it, there was nothing. in it. it was just a barn, you know, it was an yeah. event barn. And so we specifically hung sound for the round. And, Amazing. But then I put in glass walls that, that all open out. So now the sound's directed at glass walls. So yeah, yeah it's not perfect. But the reason we did it though was... I didn't do it, you know, to try to do something cool or because I saw it was like I wanted everybody looking at each other. And I felt like beautiful too, too many years we lined up in rows staring at a stage and I needed them to look in each other's eyes. And wow. I, you know, I I'd attend church and I might walk out and not have talked to two people. And I could, and I was comfortable doing it. I was comfortable getting in and getting out. And you know, when we were just attending church and not leading it, you see it differently and you go in and it's like you get your kids in and then you may not talk to one person. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody at least saw each other, you know, and if you get up, everybody sees you. And when we sing the blessing, you know, we'll point, we'll point to families, everybody pick a family, point to them, let them know you're singing this over them. And so it's been a lot of fun seeing that. And then just seeing the community come together, uh, has, has just been incredible. So that, that sounds amazing. Gosh, I love that. I, I could imagine, you know, you gathering musicians and worship leaders that have been in other churches. So very different dynamic for them. Did it take them a while to kind of get used to it? Yeah. It, I mean, the whole thing has taken a little while just because, you know, I'm pastoring it. The guy who I've been, he's been traveling with me for almost 20 years, James Galbraith, he's leading our worship. And, you know, part of it is we're really big on on family and stuff like that. And yeah. so it's taken them some time, but I, I feel like most of them have, have really embraced it because they realize that for too long they've been staring at music and not staring at people. Yes. And so the problem is, is that the more you stare at music, you know, I, I tell people like, I'm not in love with music. I, mm-hmm. I do, I do love music, but I'm not in love with it. I said, even master builders don't sleep with their tools. You know, yes. uh, if you sleep with a hammer, you're a weirdo. Yep. And yeah. like, and so I'm not in, in love with music, but it's a powerful weapon. I want to keep it sharp. I want to, but, but people, I want to see people and look in their eyes and I want to lead them somewhere. And I don't want to close my eyes the whole time. And this is going to put you in a position. You have to look at each other. You have to see yeah. each other. And now it's a blast because the musicians are all looking at each other and you can feel like the synergy and the, and the life of moving together. And then you're looking across and you're seeing the people right behind them and they're seeing the people right behind you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just really engaging. So it's That's really beautiful. 
I know um, one time we ran a, a prophetic worship and arts conference a couple of years ago and we did it in the round, but we we made the shape like a Celtic circle. So we had four entryways in. And then when we did the prayer time, we would actually say, just go to one of the entrances. And we saw people like full on delivered from stuff as they stood there in those entryways. And it was funny because we had people afterwards email us saying, you know, it got late, it was cold. We almost thought of not coming. We're just saying it's just going to be another conference where we just talked at. And then they said they walked in and saw that it was in the round and they were really arrested. Like they were just like, oh, hang on a minute. This is not what I expected. And the church that we were doing this conference in actually had a stage, and but the stage, we didn't use the stage at all. Oh, wow. So we yeah. just went into the auditorium and just did it in the middle. And it was actually amazing it took us a while as the worship team to kind of get used to that different synergy, but mm-hmm. I loved that I could see everybody and they could see us and that it wasn't a platform. So I think yeah. there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with other churches doing that. It was I just, it, I just no. love that that's what you're doing. And I also, you know what I just caught on that you said, something that I haven't actually put in the questions, but um, I think it was. it's a very interesting point that you make, and that is, we're worshiping the Lord, but you talk about looking at the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's the battle, right? And, and I've yeah. heard people for a long time, you know, talk about leading people and doing stuff. But the the scripture that I've I've really it's probably driven most of my worship and even for our teams is when you walk into a room, I feel like it's, you know, Second Corinthians 10, it says, for the weapons that we fight with and out of this world, mm-hmm. but they're powerful to demolish every argument stronghold and pretension that keep us from the knowledge of God. And so I've told them like work backwards on that. Like the goal is the knowledge of God, to know him, to see him. And so this, you know, your, what your responsibility in the room, when we say leading, it's like, what is that? Are we out for a walk? Are we like, it's like, no, you, your job is to use your songs like weapons to destroy. I mean, it says you get to demolish strongholds. So how do you know that unless you're discerning of people and the Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. Like I'm looking around the room and I'm asking the Lord, like, remember we're not fighting flesh and blood. So even if you're struggling in a service, like you're not fighting people, even if you feel like there's a stubbornness to it, you're not fighting people. You're fighting voices of sometimes spirits of tradition and spirits of comfortability and spirits of passivity. And so like my job is not to go after the people and, you know, my job is to go after those things that are keeping them from the knowledge of God. God will, you know, God will encounter them. But, you know, when I walk into a room, my daughter asked me one time, she, she leads worship. She's like, do you ever not get nervous? And I was like, oh no, I get nervous. I've never not gotten nervous. And she's like, really? And I was like, oh yeah, if I ever stop getting nervous, I'm going to quit. And I said, I'm not, I'm not nervous if God will show up and do something. I'm nervous if people will let him. Yeah. Wow. So I'm not nervous. God's going to do, God wants to do something, but you know, I want to make sure that there's no wall of separation. There's no arguments. There's no stronghold that get to be louder than the voice of the Lord today. And so we're going to use our songs like weapons to demolish those strongholds. So why are we saying, why are we saying you are good singing that chorus 32 times? Some people will be like, dear Lord, like saying that over and over. And it's like, because I recognize in the room that, you know, today that maybe this week they've gone through some heaviness or there's gone through, and you can feel it in the room. And you're like, that thing is going to come under the submission of the goodness of God. And we're going to swing the sword as many times as we have to as shepherds, like a rod and a staff. So some songs are rods to beat the living tar of the enemy that's whispered in our people's ears all week. Mm -hmm. And the staff is to help pull them together, sometimes by knocking ankles. You know, it's like, come on, let's get together. Because when we get closer to each other, then there's a safety to it. And it's like, you know, David says, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. So there's a power to like, what are we magnifying? Because he doesn't get bigger, he just gets bigger in our eyes, right? Wow! So, awesome. So uh, let's magnify him and let's exalt him together. And so, in that, you know, the power of it is our whole team. And and even you know, I used to tell our worship team like, I need you to pray this week, and I need you to see someone's face in our church. 
And I need you to ask the Lord, like, what can I sing over them today? Or what could I speak over them in service? And I said, every one of you need to come prepared with a, with a scripture or uh, maybe even, um, you know, just a word over somebody. And I may not ask you to speak it, but at any second in this room, I may ask you to get up and take a mic as a drummer. I may ask you to take a mic and speak over somebody. I may, I may ask you to get up and, and read a scripture that God laid on your heart that week that said, this is specifically for somebody in our room, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so all of them, it put a responsibility in them. I realized I was carrying a lot of that, but they didn't have to look to everybody in, in their eyes. They only looked at me mm-hmm. and they were just waiting for me to make every move. And I told them, like, you need to anticipate the move of God yes. and in the room. What are we battling? So a drummer starts playing the sound of heaven that is happening to to maybe repetitively just, you know, take on some of these voices of repetition and addictions. And yes. maybe the guitar player is flowing and, and playing something. And maybe it's the same thing he's played before, but this time the spirit of God just arrests that melody yeah. and it and it demolishes some kind of argument that's happened in somebody's mind that that week of maybe God's not real or, you know, whatever. And yeah. so it has been powerful. And, and, and you're right. I, I'm not against, you know, the stage and the setup and that kind of stuff. It, I didn't do it to try to be different. I don't, I think if you just go into the round without intention, I think it, it's not going to work good, yes. you know, and it's just going to be a fad, but if there's intention behind it, like, like I, I never heard what you just said about the, you know, the Celtic uh, circle and the, yeah. and the, because we actually have, when I think about it, we have four ways in too. And I've, I've yeah. never considered that. And, but like you just said, like you had an intentionality behind yes. it. So be, behind that, then the spirit of God is like, I'm going to breathe on that because yes. you're believing for it. Like you, you were intentional about it. So yes. I don't recommend everybody do it. I said, even our church is, it's so different to set up like the last Sunday of every month. We don't, I make everybody go into homes. And so we have 24 homes and we have live worship at every home. uh, Some people are like, well, that's because you're in Nashville and you have some tons of musicians. And I was like, no, some, some of the places actually we watched on zoom during COVID and we saw a dad playing guitar in his living room while we were doing it. And we were like, that guy needs to lead worship at his house. And so we got moms and dads leading worship at homes. And it's not just tons of musicians. It's like moms and dads are leading worship. And so, you know, you have to be intentional and ask God. My my concern is people stopped asking God, do you, do you even like this anymore? Yes. Are you okay with this? Is this like, is this what you want? And it's not about, I don't think I love the church. I don't think everything has to change. I don't think we have to stop doing services. I don't think we ever all should go into homes. But I do think every single community should ask God, like, do you like this? Is this what you want? Is there anything we can do different to please your heart? And I think just asking the question tells God, we don't want to just do the motions. But the truth is, like, we still do worship. We still have preaching. We still have prayer. We still get together. So, you know, that stuff didn't go away. But when I was asking God, I just felt God say, like, I want you to do it in a barn and a barn forced us into a different pattern. Wow. Uh, if we would have had the same, the, a building with the stage and all that stuff, I don't know. I might've just kept it. It wasn't cause I wasn't wanting something different, but I'm, I've done that for so many years and I feel comfortable with it. You know, I love it. I love that. You just asked Holy spirit, because I think it's so easy for us in the creative arts and, and the prophetic worship space to go, Oh, you know, like, Bethel's awesome. I'm just going to copy that. And yes, Bethel is awesome. That's what we love them. But it can sometimes be at the expense of our own authenticity, our own originality. And the Lord's like trying to, trying to sort of, it's like he's fighting for attention as we're giving him glory in some ways, isn't it? It's like, hang on, I've got a different idea. And I actually had a flashback, Dustin, because in another lifetime, this is going back like 15, 20 years ago, I actually had a, um, a songwriting deal with um, the Newsboys record label out there, which um, it's probably, probably doesn't even exist now, but we were coming into Nashville every, you know, a couple of times a year and every time we would land, the Holy Spirit would go, this is not for you, wow. this life, and I would ignore it. Because I'm like, what else do you do? I'm a worship leader in Australia, a songwriter in Australia, where it's very difficult 
to make a living doing this. So I just did what everyone else was doing. And then eventually, with much pain in my heart, I just went, Lord, is this what you want? And he said, no, this is not what I want for you. And it actually, look, I had to die. It broke my heart, yeah. you know, yeah. because yeah. I didn't know what that meant at the time. But I can I can genuinely say my life has not turned out the way I expected, but it's so much better. I, I, I feel so fulfilled yeah. in my in my um songwriting, my worship leading, my ministry. It hasn't turned out the way I expected. God mm-hmm. had to get rid of a lot of stuff as well. But this mm-hmm. idea of asking God what he really thinks and what he really wants. And I think people would be surprised. I actually think people will find out that they're actually pioneers and God wants them to pioneer something new instead of copy what they think is a good good idea. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I think that's the the hard part about it is the metric system of success. You got to ask yourself, like, where am I getting it from? Mm-hmm. And most of us are getting it from, you know, just patterns that we see that aren't bad to learn some stuff from. Yes. But the truth is when we just adopt something without asking the Lord and, and trying to move in what he's doing, uh, in our own community, because every community has a little bit different needs. Every land cries out, you know, and the yeah. Bible said the earth is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. And every ground has a, a different type of, of groan, you know? And yeah. so it's like tapping wow. into that, like, how do we answer the cry of the earth? And, and, and I think it's difficult because our metric system of success is, is dictated by the patterns a lot of times of cultural uh, numbers, if it's numbers, if it's finances, um, if it's a certain type of stage, you know, it's like, if I can get a number one song and I just felt the Lord, like, Hey, success for you is obedience. And, and it could look like failure for us. Like right now, you know, we are, we pack a barn out and uh, I've talked to, you know, Pastor Mark is, uh, they're like, when are you going to two services? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you, we're not. And yeah. and they're like, well, you know, when does it get too much? And I said, you know, we have people who we open up the walls because all of our walls, they all wow. open up. On That's prophetic. Yeah, right. <laughs> and people sit outside. And and the thing is, is they're like, well, you know, with the weather, with the, and I was like, listen, you know, for us. I just feel like God's saying right now, I need you to be a community of one. I, I If you go to two services, and it's not, again, not that two services are wrong. Some people yes. are supposed, some of us maybe do three or four services. Yes. But I put the Lord say, not, not you and not right now. And it doesn't, does that mean never? No. That means we're going to get up tomorrow again and just ask the Lord, is this what you want? And it's tough because when you see, you see it grow so fast and you know, you see other churches that are expanding and buying new buildings and all this stuff. The tendency could be to measure my success on, man, this could be, okay, we got so many people coming in, man, if I got a bigger building, I could hold twice this amount. And then we feel bad. It's like, you know what, if I have multiple services, you know, and, and it, and a lot of times it doesn't start out as something where you're like intentionally trying to do something to build yourself up. But there's something that just says, like, I'm more successful if I have more people. And with Gideon, he takes it from 30,000 down to 300. And he's like, and I need all your warriors to drop their weapons, pick up a jar and a torch. And you're just going to basically yell and make noise. And you're like, this just doesn't feel like a great war strategy. You know, like, (laughs) God, I don't know. Like, do you ever feel like you got to remind God of how things work down here? You know, it's like, (laughs) this is down here it's tough you know up there i know you got it made but down here it's hard and we need weapons to defend ourselves and he says no i need you to i need you to trust me and and i think that's the key you know it's like not letting the metric system of success of you know nashville is a big thing and all this stuff and it's like that's not your metric system of success you can't be held by that or you'll be led by that i i love what you're sharing i mean that is going to be so healing for people right there, what you've just said. And, you know, we've got a few people in our community that are going, oh, we think the Lord's calling us to Nashville. And I actually think of a conversation I had with um, Pastor Darlene Check many years ago now, right when I was in that season. And she said to me, Roma, if I had $100 
for every time someone said, I think the Lord's called me to Nashville and he hadn't, I'd be a gazillionaire. Yes, no you know, and I was like, wow. Yeah. I remember her saying that to me. It was a passing com- comment, but I remember thinking, oh, man, I need to really think this through. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm so glad that she said that. She was just like, Roma, no, do what the Lord tells you to do. Whatever that yeah. is, just do it. Even if it means you're leading worship to five people in a house church, you will yeah. be so much more fulfilled. And, you know, he's. she was so right. I mean, yeah. when you have the attention of the Father, when you finally have that revelation, I feel like it changes everything about the way that you use your gifts, don't you think? I'm like, I don't care. Yep. Who's listening, where this goes, I just love that Jesus is in the room with me and I yeah. feel his approval, you know. There's so much joy in that. And, yep. and um, it, that's it the whole reason I started the podcast, you know. I'm like, hey, people, God loves you just the way you are, you know. Yep, yep. Well, and it keeps you from having any kind of hooks in you, you know, where, you know, when you're talking to people or I'm talking to musicians here or something and it would be so easy to be like, man, they're good friends. Oh, that'd be amazing to have them in the church because it would really help our music stuff. And they're at another church. And instead of me having this thing in me that feels like I have to convince people to come to my church and be a part of my thing, I'm challenged and I'm like, you know, I really think you need to stay. We got the only way to take Nashville is to have every church come alive, you know, come and it's, yes. I can't, you can't just try to, you know, stack your group. Cause you feel like this is yes. going to make us more successful. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like we need this to spread to every church in this I city. Mean. So if people are in your church and they're getting lit on fire and then all of a sudden they're like, I, I don't even know what to do, but I feel like I'm supposed to, you know, we're supposed to go some, do something else. And you're like, there's been such a competition for our own pride to say no one should leave my church. And you're like, that's actually, actually not true. They may not, they may have come in to get healed just so they could get sent, but if they didn't get healed, it was going to be difficult. And so it keeps you from having the metric system of success of people never leaving, or now all of a sudden I'm hurt because now there's people who have left and you're like, listen, you know, we don't have enough seats for everybody anyway. So this is great. On the back of our visitor <laughs> card, I named three other churches in our area that we love and say, well, if you don't like it here, that's okay. There's three other great churches around here. Go to one of them. Don't stay here and be miserable. You'll make us miserable. And right now we're all happy. So, yes. you know. So- really what you've done is that, like I, I've been thinking a lot about this just today. So I'm, I feel really encouraged what you're saying. We're not raising our own thing. We're raising sons and daughters. So wherever they go to be raised, let's celebrate that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to champion people. One of the problems with Nashville when I came here is I realized how poverty minded they are. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean financially that finances are a huge problem, but I don't think it's, I think that's actually a byproduct Mm -hmm. of jealousy. And I think jealousy is based on poverty because it says there's not enough to go around. Wow. So it says, you know, if, if they go to, if they go to that church, you know, I'm not going to have enough. Or, you know, if if money goes to them or a number, number one song goes to them and it causes everybody to have competition where you can't champion your own brothers yes. and you can't champion your own sisters to say, I want you to succeed. So when something goes good for them, you don't even want to celebrate it mm. because now all of a sudden you think, well, now that takes attention off of me or yes. I'm not going to be able to build my thing, you know, and even songwriters, I had people like, Oh, they took my idea. And I was like, are you crazy? Like, and if they did, who cares? Write another idea. You know, like where that came from when you got the source in your life. And and the problem is I think God's speaking the same thing to all of us at once. And so there's a good chance you and I, thousands of miles apart, might write the same type of song on the same day because we're just tapping into something God's speaking. Wow. the person that's a poverty mentality will look at that and think that's my competition when it's actually your completion. It's, it's part of the unity of the body listening and speaking. And like, you're afraid they're going to win because they wrote a song about God that people are singing. (laughs) That is incredible what you're saying. I mean, wow. What a different mindset that that's, it's actually freeing because Mm -hmm. it means we all have a part to play and we complement one another. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, you know, talking about that, is there a story behind the song I Speak Jesus? Because I love that song. 
personal okay. question. So this is a crazy one. So, you know, we write all the time and and it's been just one of the greatest joys of my life because I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up writing songs. I didn't know anything about it. The only reason I wrote was because my pastor preached a message. I could not find a song for it. And that's what got me into songwriting. So, you know, I've never considered myself just a, like a great songwriter or gifted for songwriting. Um, I just felt God say, you're going to be a chronicler and you're going to chronicle a move of God. And so in revival, I just wrote the stories that I saw in front of me. You know, I just wrote the, the um, experiences that I had into a song. And so four years ago, it was four years ago, November, we got invited out uh, by my friend, Michael Farron. Uh, some people know him. He wrote song, Let It Rain is probably mm, one of the songs. Song. But um, he invited me out to Montana with some other writers from Nashville to go out and just write for a couple of days. Somebody was, you know, giving him a house right at the base of um, Glacier National Park. It was gorgeous. Mm. And um, so we all got plane tickets and flew out there. And when we got there, there's probably like 12, 13 of us. Michael said, Hey, you know, as we're writing, we're going to invite some worship leaders in and probably about 40 of them that have, they've written, some of them have written some, some of them haven't written at all. And we just like you guys to sit with them and pour into them and write with them a little bit just to kind of help, you know? So all of us were like, yeah, that's great. So we wrote during the day and then some, then they, 40 of them came in and he paired us up with, uh, another person, another pro writer. So I wrote with Jesse Reeves, who some people would know he traveled with Chris Tomlin and wrote a couple little songs like how great is our God and stuff like that. And, uh, he's just a great guy, super, he's from Texas. So big cowboy hat, cowboy boots. And <laughs> then they, then they put four ladies with us, a couple of them who had written some, they were worship leaders, another one who hadn't written that much. And then another one who, she owned the house we were at and said, do you guys mind if I sit in on this? Right. And I'm the guy who's like, well, if you're in the right, you're on the song, you know? So yes, yeah, somewhat that too. So right before we all went to the right, Michael Farron asked Jesse said, Hey, would you just pray for us? And just like a Texan would, he stood there and he's like, Oh, he's like, Jesus. Yep. That's all I want to say. And then <laughs> Toronto walked out. We were all laughing. Like what a weirdo. And uh, so he's, he's hilarious. And so we went to our right and we wrote a song, took us about three hours and it was fun. It was, you know, I, I actually can't remember what the first song was about, but we had an hour left and we were like, you know, do you want to write another song? And Jesse's like, well, what do you want to write about? And I said, I want to write your prayer. And he's like, well, I just said, Jesus. And I was like, that's, I said, it was funny at first. And I started thinking like, yeah, when I walk into a room, that's, I mean, what else do you say? You know, like, I, I just want to say the name of Jesus. So the way we did it was just ask the ladies like, okay. Cause they were like, we can do this in an hour. We're like, oh yeah, we can do this in an hour. Just let's do it this way. Tell us somebody in your family or your community, your church that that's struggling with something, you know? And, and somebody was like, well, you have, you know, people who are struggling with mental illness and stuff and really affecting their hearts. So we're like, okay, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and mind. Wow. And they're like, okay, how about you? And another girl, she's like, we have a family who they're battling really dark addictions in their family. Their son's battling dark addiction and um, it's really, really affecting them. So we're like, okay, I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break, you know? And wow. And okay, how about you? And another one is like um, fear, anxiety. And so we're just, you know, every verse has a family attached to it. Really? Wow. So, wow. And so then we were like, all right, let's just declare her what his name is. They're like power. Okay, your name is, there's power, you know, healing, life. Wow. So we're like, all right. <laughs> This is how how ridiculous it was, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, that's it. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. And so he breaks strongholds, you know. He shines bright. He's like a light. He shines through the shadows, you know. Like, wow. and, just, and, and just taking those words, it's like, yeah, let's just let's say it this way. And 
having a guy like Jesse in there is awesome because as it's coming out, you know, I'm sitting at the piano and we're just filtering the stories of families and like, how do we just say that? So it's accessible for everybody. And then we are like, Oh man, we, we only have like five minutes left. Let's do a bridge. And we're sitting at this huge glass window and there's a mountain out there. And it's like, how about like shout Jesus from the mountains? Wow. Like, That's awesome. <laughs> They're like, how about the mountains and the valleys? They're like, nah, valley's been done too much. Yeah. Like, oh, streets. Like, oh, let's shout from the streets. Yeah. Wow. And we're like, man, you know what? They're, all of this has been about families. Let's just shout like Jesus for my family. Yeah. And we put it in. And I think the power of it is, is like, we wrote that song in like 45 minutes. But the power of the song and and really why I think it's even more incredible is because you can't really take credit for it. You know, we just took families and, and what they're battling. And I've always told songwriters, like, you're not writing a song, you're crafting a sword to place in someone's hand. When you sing something over your family, you're actually cutting into the enemy's territory, you know? And like we said earlier, demolishing strongholds. And so let's write a song to put in that mom's mouth. So when she's home with her kids, she has something to be able to sing over them. And, you know, let's, let's speak this for for the family. And so I won't get too preachy on this, but when, when Jesus gets up and he reads Isaiah 61, you know, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. There's something that happens there that I think we miss sometimes because I had prophecy over me since I was a kid. Like you're going to birth a new sound, you know, there's a new sound that's going to, and I think probably any of us in music have had that prophecy. So, and so when I got to Nashville and I'm asking the Lord, like, I want to hear that. I want to know the sound, you know, what's happening in the earth. And so I would, you know, I'd hear, you know, Bethel or I'd hear something. I was like, man, that really stirs something in me. Did that, is that it, God? Is that what you want from me? And I wouldn't hear him answer, you know? So I was like, okay. like, And then I'd hear elevation. I hear something else is like, oh man, that song really stirs on me. That is that the sound? And one day I felt the Lord almost like laugh at me. Like I would my, you know, three-year-old who's trying to tell me how to drive. And I felt the Lord say, you know, the sound that's supposed to be birthed isn't a style. It's the sound of authority. Mm, and yeah, when God. Jesus... Jesus says, you know, spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor, bind up broken heart and set the captives free. He said, today this is fulfilled in your midst, which is different. And it said, the people were amazed at his teaching because he spoke with authority, unlike the teachers of the law. Wow. And I feel like we've written a lot of songs with no authority. You know, there's no direction. They're just ideas. They're just words we read on a page and they carry no spirit of authority because there's no real intention behind them. But Jesus spoke him with intention because he says, today, this is fulfilled in your midst. Mm. And to me, like, where are the, where are the orders? Where are the songwriters? Where are the poets who are looking out and saying like, I'm not going to write where we're at. I'm writing where we're headed. And, you know, I tell people like, you walk into your words, you don't wrap behind you, come around you. Like, so to me, I've had worship pastors tell me like, man, I really love to sing that song. I just don't feel like our church is there yet. And I was like, well, they'll never get there unless you start speaking it. Like, sing the songs where they're headed, not where they're at. And I Speak Jesus is not just where we're at. It's like, I'm singing it over you that you're going to head somewhere towards power, towards healing, towards life. Like, and there's an, you can feel it. I think when you sing it, then you're singing a song that was written with intentionality over families that you might have as a sword for your own family. And when we sing that, no matter where we're at, if we're in a stadium or I'm in a room with 18 people, when we say Jesus for my family, Mm -hmm. there is something that reverberates through the room that is radical. It's authority. And I feel like that song, it's been four years. It just, it got nominated for a Dove award and I, I called a couple of the girls because I haven't talked to them in four years. I mean, we just wrote two songs together. Never, We never talked again. You know, it was like <laughs> we didn't know them. We were just trying to be an encouragement. And I just called them to tell them, like, I just wanted you to know, not because that's something to try to attain, but I want I want you to know what God does with simple moments. 
And I want you to remember how, how simple it was. And you still got more of those simple songs with authority in you. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. You know, I tell people in heaven, it says they're crying, holy, holy, holy over and over and over again. And I never see God like boring, you know, like, (laughs) can you you at least change up words? You're like, how about worthy, worthy, worthy. He's like, come on, can you do something that doesn't, you know, end in an E rhyme. It's like, but it's not a song. It's what they're all looking at. Wow. So like, I think we, I think we've taught people to sing and not taught people how to see. Oh my and goodness. If you could teach them to see, you'll never have to teach them to sing. Yeah. You know, once you see, you can't help but to sing. And you can't you know, help. There's but- a scripture about that in the Psalms, you know, sing a new song to the Lord. Many will see. It doesn't say yeah. many will hear. And that's always blown my mind because I'm like, why didn't he say here? It helped. It, it's incredible what you're saying. Amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Oh, I feel like crying as you're talking. Yeah. Like a river of beautiful Aww. freedom and peace. And I mean, I'm amazed that that's where the song came from. Did you feel did, when you wrote it, did you go, wow, this has got something on it? Or did it just, you just nope. like, wow. That's, no, we that's even we even sang it for the group because they were picking songs to record that night, and the other song got recorded. And I don't even know what it is. I still yeah. don't know what that song is. But I I knew there was something on it when I brought it back. I felt myself singing it over my own family, my own kids, wow. and I thought I need to do this at church. And when we sang it at church, it was I don't I didn't know if the, I never thought the song would necessarily go anywhere else. But I knew like oh man, this is. This is our song, our song, our church needs this song. And so, yeah. I think that's probably what resonated with me too, because we are, we're a ministry family. My hubby comes from, he was a pastor's kid and we love revival. We're in a revival right now in our church and, and, and probably in our, like we've been in church our whole lives. I've never seen anything like what's happening now. Right. But at the same time, I'm incredibly protective of my family. Like I'm incredibly like, Lord, I don't want to just say yes to say yes. I'm going to ask you every day, what do you want for our family? So when I when I sing I Speak Jesus, I just feel this incredible like this is about family. And I love that, that that is what the Lord is highlighting right now because I think in some ways we've been a bit out of balance mm-hmm. with that, you know, like because the Lord's so wonderful and we we have this tension of living with the now and not yet, don't we? We have this tension yeah. of, you know, we're in here right now but something's coming and so you always feel like you're running to the thing that's coming at the expense sometimes of our kids and yeah. I'm sure you've got a story around that. I mean, what? Let's, let's end with that question, you know, someone in ministry, how do you keep that balance? Yeah, well, I think it's there's so much to it i mean to be honest with you like as we were in revival for so many years yes and i think the thing you have to be careful of is like i feel like sometimes we can just teach people how to have really good church services Mm -hmm. and even in revival it's like get everybody in the door get everybody in the door but you know isaiah 61 says they will those who are all that stuff set free have oil gladness have garment of praise they will be oaks of righteousness for the display of a splendor. Then it says they will rebuild ruined cities. Like they, you know, I don't know, even in revival, I don't know that for a while I kept, we kept crying out for revival, even though we had it, but we knew so many other people needed experience. So they're all coming in, but there comes a point where you just have to learn to live revived. Wow. Like, you know, part of the problem is like when Ezekiel sees the dry bones, he, you know, he says once it once the breath of God and all that kind of stuff, he's like, he's looking for partners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he really sees good. them, he says, then he sees them and he says, and I saw an army. Well, you know, it wouldn't have been great to just see an army and then they just all just stand there and be glad they're alive again. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. an army is made to to fight, to defend, to protect. And so I don't know a lot of times, I think the reason revival dies is because I feel like it's so short minded in the sense of time. We're not considering God's 500 year dream. We're considering our five year dreams, you know, 
And the problem is, is that doesn't carry over generationally. So a lot of, a lot of times the kids end up hating revival because it became so much about, not that it's not church services. I think the gathering is incredible, but I think it's like carrying it into your workplace and realizing like, I need to be a, an evangelist as a business person. I need to be, you know, like my song, I don't go to Walmart and see somebody struggling and sing a song over them most of the time i might just walk up and and have a river come out of me but it's probably not gonna be a song but it could be the seeds of a song could cause the message to change of what i say to that person and i think that we we didn't consider it as much for our kids our kids were involved they were praying they laid hands on the sick all made well but they they didn't always know how to carry it outside of that room yeah you know and i think part of it is knowing that the presence of god is going to bring you alive for a purpose mm-hmm. and one of the things for us is in in our own kids like you know we have we we've traveled the world and they all go minister with us yeah. but they know like we we carry fun as much as we carry faith you know and right. this the opportunity for us just to do life together and a lot of people say the first mention of worship in the bible is is um when abraham takes isaac up the mountain you know but actually the first mention of worship is in genesis chapter 2 verse 5 and it says that god god created the plants but would not allow them to grow because there was no one yet to tend to them. And the word is avodah or avoda. And, and the word tend is work. There was no one there to work them. It's the same word that Joshua uses where he says, as for me and my house, we will avoda or avodah the Lord. That means serve. It's the same word that Moses, that God uses when he tells Moses, um, let my people go that they may avoda me or they may worship me. So work, service, and worship are all the same word. Wow. And so we miss that a lot of times because our worship is happens in these four walls, but it doesn't carry into my house. My kids need to know we have worship nights at our house. We have, we have, we have people over and we, we commune together, we eat together. And so that word avodah, when it mentions it in chapter two, verse five, it says he created the plants, but he didn't let them grow because he had no partner yet. Mm-hmm. And and some of the things that aren't growing is because we haven't partnered in the area of truly parenting and having mothers and fathers. Wow. We, you know, we've had, I think it's tough because even in ministry, a lot of times we've had men who said they were spiritual fathers or women who said they were spiritual mothers. But the problem is, is they were just managers. And yes. I feel like a lot of times, you know, it became about that person. And I feel like what God's doing now in revival is he's actually raising up mothers and fathers. Yes, They're championing sons and daughters that this may be a generational move that when we experience the presence of God, it will happen in those walls and we need to come together, but it will carry outside of it generationally into business. It'll carry outside of it into it, even into the secular realm of songwriting, what we'd say secular, I feel like God's going to release people in love songs going to be birthed for, for, you know, for wives that are going to carry out. And there's going to be a level of purity that's going to go out yes. even through songs that don't mention God, but they're written by believers who yes. want to have good relationships, you know, and I want to see educators come alive and have ideas yes. when things are coming against our nation and they're making rules for us but there's going to be birth, creative, disruptive kingdom ideas where they may try to throw you to the lions, but it's only going to prove that there is no other God. And so like, where are the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, you know, and that's what we're telling our kids. Like, you know, you're going to get to carry this into every aspect of life, not just into a church service. And maybe you'll be a pastor in a, in a, in a church, but maybe you'll be a shepherd in the industry. Maybe you'll be a shepherd at, in, you know, in the business room, maybe you'll be a shepherd in government, like, wow. whoever, you know? And so I think that's the key is like, we're pouring into our sons and daughters, but we're not just teaching them how to have good church services yeah. and walking away from a Sunday burnout because they don't know how to commune with God Monday through Saturday. And they don't see their parents reading the word, you know, and they don't, for, we did a thing for our church, 90 days, every single night we read one chapter and we set up scriptures 
with our families and then ask our kids, like, what did you hear in that? You know, and for some of the parents, they says the first time that they had ever read the Bible out loud to their families. Wow. The first time they'd ever prayed over their kids at home, but they're, they carry church services. Great. (laughs) You know? Wow. And it's like, when's the last time you spoke a blessing over your wife before she went to sleep? I was like, wow, I've never done that. It was like, yeah, because we didn't teach you how to do that. We just taught you how to sing a song in church and it was good. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. But it has to be expanded to be in the homes. I'll say this and I'll be done. I can talk forever on this. <laughs> Loving it. But we started Be Fierce because I read a book where um, it said the number one, it was a psychology book. So the number one way to overcome depression, anxiety in kids, depression, anxiety, drug abuse, all this stuff. The number one way to overcome it, family dinners. Wow. And I was like, no. And they can trace back to the time when we used to all sit down together and when they didn't feel alone, they didn't go to their rooms and eat by themselves. They didn't sit on a couch, just watching TV, you know, and eating. They shared a meal and Jesus examples this so many times Yes, and they shared a meal together and churches stopped doing that. We stopped eating together. We stopped sitting together. We stopped sharing the stories of when God showed up and the remembrance of that. And we're finding God starting to heal people at the dinner table, you know, and, and our communities are starting. We're seeing it in the corporate setting. So I absolutely love that. And I feel like that's why God did that, yeah. but we're seeing it in businesses. We're seeing God move in radical ways and people are hungering for it and it's carrying over to the family. Oh gosh, Dustin, I just, this has just been such, this has been like a meal at the table (laughs) and I'm so thankful for your wisdom and, and your heart. Thank you for, for being a a father. Thank you for being a father. And uh, thanks for saying yes. Oh my goodness. I can't awesome. This has been so fun. So Dustin, those things that you have running, where can people find the resources for those? Is there one website or where can they yeah. go? So, I mean, I hope you see Nashville. Uh, you can go to the Instagram and you can see all of our services and everything yeah. like that. You know, we still travel sometimes with Here Be Lions and, and you know, we have uh, some music out and stuff. But yeah, um, most most of what we're doing now is through Hope You See Nashville and the church uh, here in Nashville. So awesome. We'll put the link in the notes, guys, so you can check it out on our podcast. And thank you again, Dustin, for being with us today. I hope you'll come back. What a blessing. Oh, been. absolutely. 100%. It's awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.